This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. A very good evening and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Dembele and thanks for sharing your, your space and time. Uh, bed is getting warmer and warmer uh, and uh, the morning are much more pleasant than we're. Uh, on the other positive side, we assume that with more heat coming through, uh, we'll see more, uh, we'll see less and less, uh, uh, of COVID-19 pandemic, you know, it will subside, given the, given the heat scenario. Uh, and I've also noticed a lot of more, more and more people are jogging in the morning because I've also took, uh, uh, that kind of a task of waking up every morning, you know, do a, a bit of a jogging so that you can all keep fit, uh, because that's the only way of uh, really becoming uh, upright, if you don't mind. Uh, tonight, I want us to continue our conversation on the economy recovery. Uh, we are definitely in a crisis as a country. Therefore, we need to stay focused and prioritize uh, everything and everything that's got to do with the economic uh, recovery, as it were. Uh, we obviously want to link our tonight conversation with the conversation that we've had in the past on the show. Uh, we, you know, we've, we've picked up at some point that the business for South Africa has in, unveiled accelerated uh, economic recovery strategy, which which um, has been presented, you know, to government, and government has bought into that. So that's the kind of thinking that we want to maintain uh, trajectory on on this particular show. Do join us uh, on our SMS line, which is 34519. The telegram is 0618951095. And I do take your emails at nimrod at high.co.za. As a norm, let's uh, obviously pay homage to those that came before us as they kept you possibly good and entertained, if not informed, uh, via very, uh, you know, uh, Lovely programming, you may add. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you, Lindy, and thank Howard. Uh, tonight I'm not flying solo. I've got Tabo, who is uh, producing the show. Uh, we're starting a, 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 a relatively new platform, and hopefully we're not going to have uh, glitches, uh, but I trust in the man. But I want to thank Zabisa, who's a, a new face, uh, who's really doing some fantastic work in terms of coordinating um, these kinds of shows. Zabisa, your efforts are greatly appreciated. As we're moving on forward, uh, tonight we had invited Vusi Temakwaya to share with us his thoughts on how best to activate and nurture small businesses. Unfortunately, he had a competing and urgent priority that uh, erupted on his side. However, he did promise to honor our invitation next week. I will definitely keep you in the loop from that end. Uh, I think he's an interesting uh, fellow uh, who would really add value. Uh, moving on uh, swiftly, uh, tonight we want to talk about, like I said, some of the, you know, deliberating crises that you've saw in the media or heard about in media, the COVID-19 scandal, which rocked Houting and and host of other provinces. Um, Houting had a particular view because this, you know, is supposedly the biggest scandal since Makura came into power. That's one thing we'll talk about. The second thing we're going to talk about tonight is the conditions attached to 70 billion rands loan for South Africa to help the country manage and implement and uh, manage the immediate uh, consequences of fallout from COVID-19. The thirdly, we'll try and weave these, con- these conversations in the context of the accelerated economic recovery strategy, which was unveiled by Business for South Africa. I think it is important to link these issues as they're very much intertwined. Uh, 
That's the kind of value that we want to deliver uh, to, to you, the listener, on this very glorious Tuesday. In making sense of these uh, rather complex issues, we are joined online by Eric Stunamed and Justice Sindaba. These gentlemen are familiar voices on the show, and I'm really looking forward to have a robust debate with them. A quick recap, uh, who's Eric Stillerman? Eric is the CEO at, at London School of Business Online, while Justice Ndaba is the Strategy and Finance uh, Director at Knowledge Inkers Group. Uh, gentlemen, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Nimrod. Good evening, Justice and listeners. Good evening, uh, Doc. Uh, good evening, uh, Eric and your listeners, Doc. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, we've picked up that uh, Houghton Premier David Makura says the 125 million tender for COVID-19 uh, is the biggest financial scandal uh, his government has faced since uh, since 2024. We also picked up that he's you know subsequently placed the, the uh, health MEC Bandila Basuk on, on special leave. Uh, and we also picked up uh, through media briefings that uh, more than 90 companies have been, you know, uh, are being investigated for possibly inflating prices or unethical practices. But what I also found quite fascinating as I was reading some of the news clips is the sudden, which I think it's sudden in my view, the, the, the position adopted by COSATU as well as the Communist Party. Uh, in their view, they, they stating that, you know, corruption is one of the biggest crises, uh, and the president has to take, has to take a drastic decision about it. Well, we have had these things before. I mean, the, the fifth administration had a similar issues. Uh, we've had that, you know, but nothing has happened. But anyway, this is my thought uh, that the sudden reawakening of the, you know, uh, alliance on this particular issue, I just find it fascinating. Uh, to say the least. But on that note, my job is just to facilitate a conversation uh, with the two colleagues that I've already introduced to you. Uh, let me start with uh, Eric. Uh, we cannot ignore the, the kind of the colossal damage uh, which which has been uh, flagged by this COVID-19 scandal. I'm sure, it, you know, it has done a huge dent on the reputation of the ruling party and, and some of the officials, but in the context of the the, the zona commission, I might add, and host of other commissions, the government, you know, David Makura responded by by arguing that they have entered into some kind of MOU with the special investigating unit, uh, and and linked to that is all position adopted by the president in terms of signing series of proclamation. How does that augur as a prevention strategy? Eric, let me start with you. Uh, yeah, Nimrod, thanks. Um, thanks for uh, filling in the background there. You know, I think uh, I've said it before. There is a war on uh, within the ANC between Cyril and the Cyril faction and the uh, previous uh, Zuma faction as to how actively uh, corruption is, is, is acted on. And apparently there was a debate behind closed doors at the recent NEC meeting as to whether, in fact, um, relatives of, of office bearers should not allowed to be allowed to participate in tenders. And uh, they couldn't come to a decision. So it, it's, it's really war on 
you know, a lot of people are calling for Cyril um, it, to to stand up now and 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 you know call the shots uh, because a lot of groundwork has been laid. You know, there's cause for optimism. The fact that um, the Zondo Commission is now working hand in glove with the NPA and evidence led at the Zondo Commission can be used by the NPA and the other investigating units that are working on corruption. Uh, the fact that all the, I think, seven security uh, agencies, uh, in, uh, uh, police and security enforcement agencies are working together on these cases is, is a cause for optimism. The question really how is how actively Cyril will push the agenda and make sure that it gets through. I caught just before the program, um, Pule Mabe, the spokesperson for ANC, talking and, and making a kind of a kind of view that the ANC is actively pursuing, you know, apparently um, the, these cases. You know, whether whether he represents the consensus or who's instructing Pule Mabe, we don't really know. So I don't know if you can shed some light on that. Whether the, there is consensus within the ruling party to to really forcefully deal with corruption. Thank you very much for that insight, Eric. Um, before I chip in, let me just give Justice uh, his maiden thoughts on, on the issues that are put forward. Justice, you want to give us your, your immediate reaction to, to these and also follow up on uh, Eric's uh, uh, supposition? Yeah, well, uh, thank you very much, actually. But um, I think what it would be to try and make a distinction between um, what the ANC stands for and things like that. Because um, I think for now, my focus will be on what had occurred in government. And we now know that in as far as the uh, whole COVID-500 um, relief, the, the president has already proclaimed, and we know that going to Gauteng, the 90 or so businesses that were granted the, the PPE tenders are all under investigation. So we, we should welcome that because um, we know that there are processes in government and I think the investigation can will, will help to pick up where um, there is validity in claims that uh, processes were not followed and in fact people were formed and given tenders over the, the, the counter. So if that is the case, then action must be taken and, and people must go to jail. But if processes are followed, then people must be exonerated. So for me, I would say that like anything else, we need swift action because we are under COVID uh, at the moment, and we cannot afford for a long-winded investigation because we need to find out what has happened, whether there are lies that we need to be, uh, 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 that we need to get back from people that have uh, been illegally granted. So long-winded investigations are not going to help. So we might need to get... Um, government to issue regulations that fast tracks this investigation so that there are swift outcomes. That's what I would, my initial reaction would be. 
Thanks, Justice, for, for that input. I maybe want to piggyback on, on the last point that you raised in terms of uh, the need to expedite investigations as the long-winded investigation process that we have seen, which, by the way, most most South Africans uh, have, have come to uh, define us as the kind of country that is led by commissions which do not yield results at any cost. But I suppose the conversation is slightly different now, now that, uh, I mean, the economy uh, has plummeted. I mean, the last time I checked, we are currently sitting, we're expecting the economy to shrink by 7% uh, 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 this year, and the budget deficit increased by 15%, which means the fiscal position of the country uh, has seriously been dwindled. I know we're going to get to that point, but I suppose the 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 the, the there are two conversations here. At one level, we, we should welcome the efforts by, by government in terms of, of coming out and, and expressing shock and disbelief uh, of the kind of fraud that is happening within their own ranks, but also welcome the, the proactive measures which the state is putting forward by cooperating uh, 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 with all the uh, government entities, state entities, uh, to try and, and, and push, you know, the resolutions uh, or the proclamations around investigation uh, and laying criminal charges against those that were found wanting and also civil uh, claims against against individuals that received, you know, tenders irregularly. But we, we, we're talking, one of the issues that we talk about in the show is the public confidence. Um, we cannot, you know, recover the economy if you cannot instill public confidence because that's one pillar which uh, potentially crowd in investors. Uh, and later on we'll talk about this, the, the, the 70 billion rents uh, which we got as a result of the shrinking economy. Before we even went to the, the lockdown, we we're already in recession. That's the, the question that I want to put to both Eric as well as Justice. Uh, the kind of reactions and measures taken by government, both at the national and provincial level, and the extent to which these measures are reinforcing uh, the, the, the business and public confidence. What, what's your take on that question? Uh, uh, Nimrod, sorry to um, butt in here. I, I'm just finding the quality of sound quite difficult to hear. Can you please repeat your question? I've said, look, I've said the, the government is taking proactive measures to try and circumvent the rot that has eroded public confidence. The kind of measure that we're seeing both at the national and provincial government, uh, 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 need to be obviously welcomed. But to what extent are these measures reinforcing the positive energy or the positive vibe that is required by, by, by investors? Investors don't want to throw the money uh, in instances where there's no clarity in terms of policies. So to what extent do you think these measures are going to uh, give confidence to public as well yeah, as investors? I'm, I'm sorry, Nimrod, I'm going to have to sit this question out. I don't know if it's my connection or your connection, but um, okay, no, I, I think you didn't hear the question. question. Maybe you, Justice might want to comment on that one. I'll come in when the sound gets better. Um, thank you for the question, Doc. My, my take on it would be that, uh, look, um, investment and investors, um, they know that um, 
there is corruption in different countries. However, they would be monitoring the reaction of government and what government does in, and that would inform the confidence that they have. And in this case, I would think that they would monitor as to whether there are investigations that are not interfered with. They would monitor um, whether people are being brought to book if they are found um, uh, 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 not following the procedures. And if there's any interference between the processes, then that will take the investors to lose confidence. So for, and that would also simmer into public uh, domain as well. So the positive vibes that you're talking about will be reinforced only by um, uninterfered processes um, that the government in reaction to, to um, taking action against malfeasance uh, would be doing. So if, if, for instance, we know that there are policies that are out there, but the issue has been how far do we go in implementing them? How far do we go in ensuring that the uh, uh, an action is taken without fear or favor? So I would think that investors are well-versed to monitor the processes. The only pro- time that you would find that there is huge dissatisfaction from um, investors would be when there are political interferences, for instance, when, um, and you would know yourself that uh, we've had issues where um, that has been questioned by different sectors of the uh, stakeholders in, in where, for instance, there's, um, in this case, perhaps uh, the, 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 the governing party people, if they, those that are found to be guilty or that are found to have acted uh, inappropriately, if, for instance, there's political interference, that then affects the the the, the, politi- the the investor confidence to a large extent. So that would be my answer to your question. So I think that the to be reinforced and uh, the the positive vibes to be reinforced would be the manner in which government reacts uh, to, to, to 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 acting against malfeasance. Um, you know, Justin, thanks for that input. I, I get it. But there's always one, 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 one looks at the um, auditor general investigations. We've had very disturbing, you know, incidences in some of the municipalities wherein officials were not able to do the work. Surely that goes against that's that in itself. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interference because investigations can't be done thoroughly. People have been intimidated. And, and I'm saying this at the back of the business and public confidence. Um, how far well, maybe let me put it this way. To what extent do you think, you know, the public confidence has been uh, sort of activated and reassured? Reassurance is the word I'm looking for, particularly the wake of those investigations that are happening in municipalities uh, by AG where in officials had to be, 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 be guarded. Uh, by police and secret police when they are doing their work. Anyway, uh, my reaction to that is um, it is very unfortunate what occurred in some of the municipalities. And I know some of the young accountants that work for the AG somewhere chased um, uh, away from, from the offices um, by unruly uh, uh, people. So I am aware that that becomes a problem. But in these cases, it takes 
there is anything that is policy. So if you cannot have a situation where uh, people cannot do their work uh, safely, then that's the work of the police. So the confidence will be affected by a situation where there is a willingness people can come and attack you in government um, uh, offices and then there's no consequence. Surely in that case there would be uh, loss of confidence, as you say. So in that case, I'm not sure now there's, in, there's been any action taken against those people, but um, it takes the, 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 the law enforcement um, sector to react to that. And if, if, for instance, there's no seriousness in acting, then that's a problem. I agree with you there. Um, uh, thank you, Justice, for, for that uh, input, which I think it really does, uh, you know, uh, augur well with, 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 with me, and I'm sure the listeners are on the same page on this particular issue. Uh, if you have just joined us, I'm, I'm having a very interesting conversation with Justice Ndaba, who is an executive at Knowledge, Knowledge Anchors Group, as well as uh, um, Eric Stillerman, who is also the CEO and founder of Net Growth, as well as, as well as London School of Business Online. Do drop us an air. Your SMS, our SMS line is 34519. Our telegram is 061. Eight nine five one zero nine five, and I would I welcome your email at nimrod at high dosio delizet dosere. Um, Eric, uh, I'm, I'm hopefully the line is relatively solid on yeah. your side. Better, thank you. Do you have anything to add based on what Justice put put forward? I didn't I didn't hear everything again. I must apologise, and I think you you guys are more informed about all the different actions that are being taken than I am. Uh, my general comment would be uh, that I think the the mood of the public uh, and and one can't generalise about a country of 58 million people, uh, uh, the kind of mood in the media certainly and in communities that I'm you know interact with um, is 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 very negative um, and uh, are waiting for something to happen. So. Whereas it's a good sign, you know, that, that certain actions are being taken by government and the presidency and the premier and all of that, um, and the auditor general. I think people want to see action, uh, and 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 you know, the the confidence is 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 teetering in the balance there. If you had to do a survey among high FM listeners right now, you would probably find the level of confidence in terms of controlling corruption is probably very low. So there's this, you know, it's it's game on. The president's got to step up and take things under control uh, at this point in time. He's really got to realize that, uh, that, uh, that it's crucial. Thank you very much, Eric. Um, I suppose uh, talking of, of uh, uh, crucial necessities, we're going to take a break uh, and pay our bills. Uh, Tabo, let's, let's take a break while we're still, you know, getting ourselves sorted for the next phase of our conversation. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back and thanks for joining in. Uh, we're having a very interesting conversation with Eric Stillman as well as Justice Sindaba. The context of our conversation tonight in the main is that we, we, we literally unpacking the COVID-19 uh, PPS, PPC, you know, PPC scandals as well as, uh, the, the extent to which 
these uh, issues are bearing a negative impact on the on on, on the public um, you know confidence. Uh, before we went to the break, you know, justice was giving us assurance that uh, the state organs have really moved swiftly in terms of galvanizing sufficient energy, uh, you know, to, to provide public as well as uh, a business confidence. So the, the, I think it would lead to our next phase of a conversation, uh, which we sort of touched on earlier on. We just received, you know, 70 billion rands loan for, for, for the countries, uh, to manage the immediate consequence of, of, of the COVID fallout. The, the question is, which is linked to the accelerated economic strategy, which was unveiled by the business for South Africa, uh, is, is the conditionalities attached to the loan and the extent to which all these stakeholders firstly are aware of those conditions. Firstly, we had no fiscal, um, uh, you know, maneuvering capabilities. One, two, the, the kinds of uh, conditions attached to loans, uh, you know, to, to what extent people are aware of them and, and what, what are, what's their thoughts around those issues? I want to bring in, I'm going to bring in, uh, uh, Eric on this, on this call. What's your take on that, Eric? Uh, yeah, I think that, um, the positive is that it's only a 1% interest rate compared to our current, uh, interest rate that we're paying on most of our other bonds at the moment is up to nine and a half percent on, 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 on government, uh, debt. So it's, from that point of view, it's a positive. There are no, um, uh, contractual, uh, condition, conditionalities at all. Uh, the only, um, what people are referring to in terms of some kind of, uh, <coughs> management of this debt is that, um, it, it has to, be paid from paid back from uh, 2023 over five years, um, and I think everyone uh, you know realizes that it, that it's not an, a bottomless pit. It's not money that that's going to be a grant. Um, in terms of what the uh, what Titon Boweni, the Minister of Finance, and the Reserve Bank Governor Sechukhan Yaho um, wrote in a letter uh, uh, to the IMF. Almost in their personal capacities that they will maintain fiscal discipline and will, you know, endeavor, will, will repay the loan on schedule and uh, will um, particularly implement the fiscal discipline that Titomba, when he's already announced in his, in his uh, supplementary budget and that he's going to put forward in October, in terms of his uh, midterm uh, midterm budget, so there's no conflict really with what I think the 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 the, the Cyril Ramaphosa group of 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 team at the top want to do with the economy. I, I think today it was reported also that IMF have said that um, they're looking as much to growth as to fiscal discipline uh, uh, for confidence that, you know, South Africa can meet its obligations. And in that regard, you know, I, I think you, you referred to Business for South Africa's accelerated economic plan. I, th- I think you have to also refer to the very similar plan uh, that came out on the same day as Business for South Africa, which was the ANC's plan, which overlaps. You heard it uh, the last week or two from the business people 
it's, it overlaps something like 80 or more percent in terms of the major projects in, and the various initiatives that I've been exposed to. Government is working hand in glove with business and labor. These things are being activated by all the key parties. So, uh, you know, we, maybe the conversation can switch just now to what are we going to do to get this economy moving? Because that is the overriding concern. You can't balance your budget or bring down your fiscal deficit only by cutting costs. That's, that's what the IMF said, quoted in today's business day. You have to be able to have growth so that the people who are generating the growth, the companies, the uh, uh, management staff, people who pay PAYE, have enough income to pay their taxes so that government can get the money to keep itself solvent. So it's, it's all about, uh, you know, generating realistic uh, economic activity and control. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Eric. And uh, uh, one of the critical pillars of the Business for South Africa uh, rescue uh, plan uh, is that of certainty with regards to SOEs. We know that almost 250 of the SOEs have literally drained the fiscus. Um, that's perhaps maybe one area that could provide some kind of liquidity for the state as part of the, of the restructuring process. But at that, unfortunately, it's riddled with politics. We've seen what is happening at SABC. We've seen what happened at Dinell. We've seen what has happened at ESCOM. And, and, and those are some of the very difficult choices which government needs to navigate around to try and bring the debt. And by the way, the debt is not only for, from IMF. We all close about three or four uh, institutions. Cumulatively, uh, you know, our situation gets worse and worse. But personally, let me bring in justice, particularly around progress made with regards to uh, um, SOE, state-owned, uh, you know, transformation agenda, insofar as bringing equity partners that would drive uh, or drop down or give the state more of a fiscal uh, position to maneuver. Justice, you want to come in there? Um, thank you, Doc, for a difficult question. <laughs> the, um, look, my, my, my information really in so far as the SOE transformation is concerned, uh, was up to around February, March that I was, um, uh, 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 affair with where the process was. But since COVID, I'm not too sure what is happening. Um, so I know that, for instance, there was um, within the public enterprise ministry a paper, and then there were also uh, proposals being made of uh, integrating some of the SOEs and also uh, transforming some of them to ready them for possible um, uh, other investors coming on board. So since... Um, this COVID period, I'm not too sure what that process is as to, but there certainly is a, a an awareness from government, as you could see, that uh, some of them, they were quite prepared to even uh, divest in some of them, uh, other than some of that were seen as core, as core to government and government's plan. But there were certainly some of them that uh, within that paper from uh, the public enterprise, uh, there was preparedness to divest. There was also uh, to, 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 to be able to integrate and join some of them. 
so that there's seamless integration for efficiency purposes. Um, you know, in, in so far as uh, in, in, uh, inviting investors on board, uh, that would have also have to await that process to unfold. As to where it is now, I'm not too sure. But you would have seen also in the document prepared by Business for South Africa that uh, SOEs are an integral part of um, uh, economic growth that they've identified. And they've also said that, look, uh, they, it is imperative for many of them to be functioning well. What I liked about the process as well is that there is preparedness from government and, and business to also exchange skills. Um, so if one looks at the that document for business South Africa, if there is collaboration in terms of skills exchange, then I think that process uh, doesn't even have to wait for the adoption of the public enterprise paper. So, so if we could have this adoption of business for South Africa document, and you have uh, the, the 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 PP uh, triple P partners. Uh, prepared to collaborate even to transform or to at least uh, move SOEs, uh, SOCs to efficiency, then that I think uh, can, can, can give an answer to your question. So as soon as they are, uh, if we look at it jointly, you know, as, as, as partners and there's value add from everyone, then we can move quicker and we can be able to meet some of these um, competing demands. Uh, so I think in that sense, uh, we, the sooner we all agree to adopt this document, the better. The sooner we agree to adopt the, the document, the better. I agree, Justice. But um, uh, let me just bring um, Eric. While we're still conversing around the SOEs, Eric has been exposed to a number of initiatives wherein government is trying to bring professionals to uh, uh, professionalize the governance. I mean, all your board members, uh, there's, a, there's a, obviously a recruitment drive to, you know, to put people with proper skills and proper experience. Um, Eric, what has been the latest from that end? Because that's one big driver that try that, that, that provide the kind of confidence. Because if you have entities that, that are such big in terms of the fiscals, uh, being, being crowded by individuals with less uh, experience and less expertise, we're more likely to find ourselves in the same as what has been your experience now of late in terms of the, you know, the, the, the skills cohorts that has been introduced into the SOE landscape. Eric? Okay, look, there's so many uh, different cases. I think just take SAA, which, which people kind of have been exposed to, to bring in, you know, top uh, business rescue practitioners um, and and uh, uh, to come out with a rescue plan that has now been approved. Now, where does Titumbaweni's, you know, the, the, the missing $10.2 billion that is required to fund this recovery strategy, um, it, it's a case in point. The, this thing is work in progress. It's, it's game on. It's going on behind closed doors. There's hectic um, a, a, a negotiation all the time and very skillful um, maneuvering and, 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 and play, because what is the issue? Tito was forced to say that government will find the money to 
make sure that the business rescue plan can be implemented. It will mean at least 2,000 people are going to lose their jobs, and Kasatu has agreed to that. They, they've actually reached a, a point at which everyone in the game knows that they either get nothing or they get something. So uh, Kasatu gets a 1,000 people retain their jobs, a 1,000 people get retained for a year and get retrained and replaced in other positions. The question about where that money, 10.2 billion, is coming from, Tito has maintained it's not going to come out of the budget. He's raising it. He's finding the money, and one can presume, presume that there's private sector interest in taking a stake and getting involved in the new SAA. So, uh, you know, the public is not privy to what uh, is going on behind the scenes, but that's, I think, as much as anybody knows. As far as ESCOM goes, there's an undertaking that ESCOM will not be looking for bailouts, that ESCOM under a private sector CEO, I'm not sure who else is on the board at the moment, but certainly the CEO, uh, Andre de has got a mandate to to turn around um, ESCOM and do the uh, unbundling that, that was promised by the president, I think, in his State of the Nation two years ago, um, and and to bring in uh, uh, renewable energy into the equation and implement the uh, integrated resource plan, which has got a huge amount of private sector money waiting to come into the game which has already been tied up and committed with with uh, with the banking system. They've reached financial closure. As soon as there's, you know, policy um, movement in terms of ESCOM and government procuring uh, alternative energy. So um, you might have noticed, sorry to, to babble on about this, but unfortunately one of the things that had to be done, and, and we could have different views on, on it, was to go to have a fight with NERSA, where NERSA wouldn't give ESCOM uh, market-related uh, uh, increases in the last couple of years, and NERSA was forced now by the courts to award um, ESCOM, I think it's a 10% uh, increase or more, uh, that they were not given a year or two ago over the last two years, which means that we're going to pay more for electricity, unfortunately. From ESCOM's point of view, that is a source of income. ESCOM can't really be uh, expected to, to, to manage the entity if, if it doesn't have its normal market-related uh, source of, of, of income and recovering income from municipalities that don't pay. They've moved on that side. So it's all game on, Nimrod. Interesting to know, interesting indeed that, uh, uh, you, you know, your conference level, particularly around the turnaround uh, in SOEs as part of the integrated recovery plan, it's quite phenomenal. And these are kind of positive vibes in my mind we need to share with the listeners so that we are able to uh, calibrate the positive energy as, uh, associated with, you know, for an example, we're talking about the SOEs state-owned enterprises, and on the extent to which uh, they, they are really turning around. We know these things, they take time to turn around, but once they do, uh, we, we, we have huge advantage in terms of getting the country out of the, you know, economic uh, mess that we find ourselves at. But but coming back to the issue of, of NASA, 
Uh, I, 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 did, I did, you know, I think about a week ago, also picked up that Nessa won, I mean, uh, 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 Eskom won the battle against Nessa. Now Nessa has no choice but to, uh, you know, I will provide or, or grant Eskom uh, 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 the tariffs which they required. Which brings another interesting dynamics. You said you and I will pay for it. The, the, the other listener says, but what about people who are not paying? Uh, uh, what about equity? Because in as much as ESCOM has to recoup its, 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 its revenue from you and I, but, but it has to be an equity side of it. So in my mind, there, there seems to be a, a gap because, uh, we, at one level, we've got, you know, government departments, we've got municipalities that owns ESCOM billions of rents and, and, and it's not really moving with speed, but we also have households that owe ESCOM billions of rents. I mean, so wait alone, the last time I checked, owed ESCOM close to 20 billion rents over a period of time. So, so, so th- that's something that because uh, it's something that has to be addressed, uh, in the longer term. What's your take on that, uh, Justice? Um, thank you very much, Doc. Uh, look, um, I think in as far as taking your last point at, at hand about Soweto, um, I don't know the exact percentage, but there has been an increase in the number of households now beginning to pay. And, and one of the reasons has been in the last year, uh, ESCOM has, uh, you know, when transformers have uh, either been damaged or burnt, um, in areas where uh, there has been no payment, ESCOM has not gone in and repaired them. And that, over a period of time, has forced some of the residents, in fact, uh, to begin to pay. So there's a higher percentage now that is... Obviously, there's historical debt that still needs to be sorted out. But in terms of the numbers, um, yes, there are a few, especially from the... Um, from the, 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 the settlement areas where people are still going into the, the housing units and, and, and connecting illegally. So you still have that, but more and more of the, uh, most, uh, households are beginning to pay in Soweto, you would find. Um, so in, in that there is progress and you would see, as you can see that, um, like I'm saying, the strategy from ESCOM has been that if um, from your area we have uh, infrastructure is 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 is, is it needs to be repaired. If there's no payment from the area, they would they they haven't been able to fix it. And also, where there has been damage, for instance, when ESCOM sends technicians, uh, you'd find that cars are being damaged and so on. ESCOM has totally cleared uh, uh, way clear of those areas. But since that has happened. Uh, even residents are beginning to take uh, and escort some of the technicians in. So you have a lot of compliance uh, nowadays with, 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 uh, uh, I just have to probably come back to you about the, the, the increasing trajectory in that regard, but there is progress. So we, we, we are beginning to see compliance increasing from residents there. So there is progress. We, I think we're happy. I think to answer your question, we, in terms of equity, um, yes, the issue of equity is needed. We need everyone to pay. And indeed, you would see, remember that the last conference of the ANC and indeed in government, 
there are policies now that uh, are, are, have said that everyone needs to pay. Uh, the policy of uh, pay, uh, use and pay principle. So that has been adopted widely by government, and hence it is being allowed that uh, institutions such as ESCOM need to now implement uh, the user pay principle. Thank you very much, Justice Noah, for that uh, insight. Uh, as we are literally left with four, four, four minutes to wrap up our conversation, um, I just want to bring in Eric here because I know Eric Nalflate, uh, he has been invited to be part of uh, the working group, um, under the accelerated economic recovery strategy. What, what is the latest from where you're sitting, Eric, in terms of progress <coughs> made? Yeah. Thanks, Nimrod. A, a, a quick example of cooperation between government, labor, and business. Uh, the project that I've been exposed to is called the TVET um, e-learning uh, project. It's the, all the technical and vocational, all the colleges of, of the technical colleges around the country. Um, there's a project to put them all online for e-learning with the, the latest and best um, for free material, learning material, accessible worldwide by top consultants. I mean, the business case has been put together by Boston Consulting Group Ventures, BCG Ventures. That knows exactly what they're doing. They've got a number of very successful ventures worldwide. They put together the case, and they're engaging everyone in the um, ecosystem of education uh, to identify, go through curricula, match them to the needs of business and industry, and to put together an online learning platform that people, and to zero rate the data. So it's a very exciting project. They're going to test the minimum viable product over the coming few month or two. And it's all very at, at speed. It's all being done as if it was a business venture that is about to be launched. I'm very encouraged. I, I, I'm hoping to get involved to some extent in looking at the governance on the, on that project and, uh, and the uh, curriculum design. Um, just to say, that the next step of that project, uh, the, the, I've seen the presentation that's going to be made to the minister late in Zamandi, the minister of higher education, and you know hopefully he will uh, approve it, and then it's all systems go. And I think that this is the kind of um, state of the game that these uh, uh, accelerated economic development initiatives are at across the board. It could even be on a number of, of, of infrastructure projects that everyone agrees on and, and many others. Thanks, Nim. Thank you very much, Eric, for that insight. Um, I, one thing that I just want to throw back at you as my partner showed on the TVET uh, system, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, there's a new energy in terms of trying to reconfigure FET colleges to be more responsive uh, you know, to market needs uh, with something that uh, majority of them Frankly speaking, are nowhere near to any form of responsiveness for an example. When you look at um, the qualification of the lecturers in the FET college, most of them have never set foot in the in, in the working environment. And how do you teach technology when you have never uh, worked or you have never been exposed to uh, any technology inclined environment? I mean, just be a theorist. Uh, do we need that? That's number one. Number two, I've had instances where 
the 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 uh, you know uh, major well the majority of the FET college students um, are doing exactly what the universities are doing. You know, uh, there's there's almost like twenty eighty percent. We need eighty percent of students in FET colleges. We don't need eighty percent of students in FET college in in universities. But some of the FET colleges are doing exactly what universities are doing. You have you know courses like cooking. You have courses like uh, uh, very basic courses at FET college, which don't necessarily uh, create value from what FET colleges ought to be doing. In fact, they are almost like an extension of the universities. That's that's my view. That's you know my view based on my exposure to FET college, colleges uh, transformation, which I was part of for some time. But it's something that I have to go back and read and establish the extent to which there's been a movement in terms of how FET colleges are responsive to the needs of the market, uh, as opposed to firstly being treated as a stepchild or stepdaughters of the higher education and being given sufficient resources to attract and retain professionals, uh, uh, lecturers and, and ad- administrators. Unfortunately, you're going to have to leave it there. I don't, we don't have much time. Once again, Eric, thank you very much for coming through and sharing your thoughts. Justice Ndaba, thank you very much for coming through and sharing, and sharing your thoughts. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. I hope we have delivered some kind of value uh, to the listeners of which we, we, we take uh, pride in sharing our thoughts. With. Let's do this again next week, Tabo. Clevisa, uh, thank you very much. Justice once again, Eric, uh, and you, the listener at home. I appreciate it. Uh, let's call it a good night.